Hi everybody, this is Kevin Smith speaking. And Brian Belter. And we are back for another week of conversations on the book of Exodus. Week number two. I hope you enjoyed week number one, because uh, I sure did. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely been an excellent time having these conversations with Brian and, and delving deeper into the book and you know learning more about this chapter of the Bible. We really do Bible. appreciate, too, the... The comments that uh, several folks have made online and via Facebook, you know, not just encouragement, but also some poignant points of discussion, too, that have been brought up. And I think I'm going to probably steal a couple of those when we get to uh, <laughs> some other some other stories in Exodus here, some really good comments that were made. So keep them coming. They don't always have to be positive. You can critique us, too. We're looking to, to get better all the time. So Oh, absolutely. So keep it coming. And I, I love the insights that we're seeing out there because... I mean, honestly, like part of this journey for myself, and I'm sure for Brian as well, is to get a better grasp of this particular book of the Bible and learn a little bit more about being insightful and just picking things out that are in God's Word that need to be, you know, enlightened to me. So when I hear other people listening to us talk, and suddenly something sparks in their mind. Oh my gosh, they're missing this obvious point. Yep. I mean, it's just, it's great for me to hear that because it means that we are, in our own way, furthering dialogue and uh, helping someone else come to a conclusion that we may not have noticed ourselves and they may not have ever noticed themselves either until they listened in. Yeah, and if you uh, haven't guessed it yet, this is not uh, too super scholarly in-depth guys getting really really deep into this we're just we're just two fellas having a conversation about what we read in the book of exodus i mean if you could have guessed that from our kind of tie-in title of conversational devotion that's that's really what we want this to be as a conversation so the more people that that get added to that conversation the better so again thank you all so much for your your comments and your encouragement we really we really do appreciate that Absolutely. So what are we talking about today, Brian? Well, today we, uh, we're we talking about the plagues, a pretty well-known portion of this uh, Exodus story. You know, there were ten plagues in total. Uh, today we're going to talk about the first nine. Uh, it takes up a, a pretty decent chunk of Scripture, uh, so we wanted to kind of maybe mix up the format a little bit today. Usually we We'll read you the scripture in full and then and then discuss it. But since this is such a large section, we didn't want to take our full 15 minutes uh, just to read to you all the plagues. So if you would like to hear that, we did record the readings of all the first nine plagues in their entirety. You can check that out in a, in a separate recording that we have available here uh, via the website and uh, post it on Facebook as well. So check that out if you want to hear the full reading of the first nine plagues. But what we're going to do today is do an overview and a discussion about those plagues, you know, so we can kind of keep fitting in the, the time that we've allotted for ourselves. Oh, yeah. So if you have if you have the time, I mean, it could be a double feature for you today. Double um, bonus episode on a Monday. And if you want to hear the scripture prior to us having a discussion about it, now would be a good time to uh, pause this and go back and listen to that bonus episode and yep. hear it all laid out. So as we all know, as we kind of discussed on Friday... Moses has, has made his way back to Egypt. Uh, he's with his brother Aaron. God has given him encouragement and given him a mouthpiece in his brother Aaron, since Moses does have you know quite a few doubts about himself. And now Moses and Aaron confront Pharaoh to ask him to, at first, to let the Israelites have a day of of worship to you know let us let us let us have some time off to worship and sacrifice to our our God. Pharaoh says no, 
And then uh, God's wisdom and wrath gives Moses and Aaron the direction to uh, to approach Pharaoh and tell him that these plagues are coming. If you do not let the people go, then uh, there will be hardship and, and these plagues bestowed upon Egypt. Right, and when we left off, you saw that uh, Moses was already sort of asking God, it's like, why would you even send me here? Because, I mean, all I've done is make things worse. They're suddenly we're making these bricks without straw. It's just harder for the people. And God's like, well, hold on. I mean, we've got some stuff coming down the pipe. <laughs> and here, lo and behold... Some stuff, yes. <laughs> yeah, lo and behold, here it is. It gets somewhat repetitive. And it's it's somewhat hard to believe after sign after sign after sign of misfortune that Pharaoh just will not relent. And obviously... I mean, well, you'll kind of see, like, the stakes keep getting raised, and what do we lead off with for the plagues, Brian? Well, we start with the the famous turning water into blood. Moses' first task, first miracle, if you will, first plague that he presents to Pharaoh is uh, the water of the Nile, and all water in Egypt turns to blood. Not just the flowing water, but any water stored in a bucket, a basin, a well, you know, that's all turned to blood. And Pharaoh sees this, and as we'll see throughout a couple other plagues too, that he calls upon his sorcerers and magicians to try and recreate this act. And lo and behold, they're able to do it on uh, several occasions. And turning the water into blood is one such occasion. Those magicians come forward, they're able to do it as well. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, there's certainly scientific ways a little alchemy here and there where you can mix chemicals and turn water red i mean obviously this is something that could have been recreated by at that time i would imagine magicians whether supernatural acts or not they would certainly be like some learned individuals who would know how to mix like some powdered clay into some water and turn it red or something like that probably not the same way the Lord turned all the water red. I mean, certainly not. Uh, and certainly not on that scale. But, you know, the magicians are probably like, well, look, we can do this too. I did, interestingly, uh, several years ago, watch this special on, uh, you know, something like the History Channel or something like that, that had this in-depth analysis of how the plagues that described in Exodus could have all just been natural occurring events. Yeah, I've read that too. Have you seen that before? Uh-huh. Um, and they describe each one individually and how it could have happened. But then at the end of it, they say the odds of these ten things, <laughs> or, well, the odds of these nine things happening all in succession like this, when you add them all up, it's it's an astronomical odds against this all happening the way that it happens. So while they can kind of describe each one, you know, individually occurring, which it, it does a little bit in Exodus talk about that, you know, the other magicians and sorcerers being able to do this too, the odds, again, of all of them happening at once just, just does not add up. Where else do you see some long-shot odds? Uh, uh, perhaps... The fulfilling of the Messiah. We've, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, if, if anybody attended uh, Pastor Gimbel's Bible study a weekend ago, he he discussed, you know, and we looked at the the huge odds of those, all of those prophecies being fulfilled in one person, and it kind of, you know, harkens back to this a little bit, too, the odds of all these things occurring just naturally don't really quite add up. So uh, there again, another another sign, another bit of evidence for us truly was the hand of God through Moses uh, completing all these things. And who knows, even creating the natural situations himself. We, mm-hmm. we don't know exactly how, whether it was pure supernatural act 
or whether God put the machinations of his own glorious work into play to make these things happen. I mean, it's interesting to ponder, but ultimately it doesn't really matter how they came about. Nope. It matters that these signs were there to sway Pharaoh to make the right decision. and But he's not easily swayed. No. We see here, even with this first plague, this huge sign of turning all the water in Egypt into blood, we get that first line of Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Yes. And he said, nope, sorry, Israelites, <laughs> you stay and put where you are. Moving and right have, on to frogs. Yeah, then we have to move on to, uh, to frogs. So after seven days of this blood in the water, we get the next plague, a plague of frogs. Basically, uh swarming, overta- overtaking the land of Egypt. These many, many frogs. I don't know if the magicians were able to recreate this or not. I mean, it's just frogs upon frogs coming. I mean, whether they were driven from the waters because of the waters being blood. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, these frogs were everywhere. Dying, stinking, creating disease where their bodies lay. I mean, you imagine just hordes of these animals that uh, you know, there's more of them than can feed themselves, so they're dying on their own. People mm-hmm. are trying to get them out of their homes. I mean, it's pretty harrowing. Yeah, I look back, I'm kind of reading through the scripture a little bit again here. Yeah, the magicians of Egypt were able to recreate this frog plague as well. So, again, we see this happen, but still, this is, you know, another great wonder and sign. Pharaoh's heart still hardened, still will not uh, let them go. Yeah, and the stinking, festering, dying frogs in this land. And he's like, well, you know, I still need my workers. We still need to, to build some cities and monuments here. So yep. no, uh, no release yet. And a hardened heart and another visit from Moses and Aaron saying, let my people go or else we will bring upon this land gnats. Yeah, so then we get to the gnats. Again, it's a another swarm uh, like the frogs, but... Now we're getting an attack from the air. It, sometimes this is uh, attributed to all the dead frogs. You know, yeah. dead frogs, here come the flies, here come the gnats. Which, but. you know, part of me, whenever, I, I'm a huge fan of science. I mean, a part of me wonders whether God used the natural machinations of the world to make these things happen. I mean, they, blood of the Nile begets frogs. Which brings on, like, their dying bodies would certainly bring on gnats and pestilence. And then the fourth plague, which is flies. Which flies kind of goes hand in hand with the gnats as well. well. But we see here in the uh, the third plague, uh, we finally get to see the magicians of of Pharaoh unable to recreate this this plague or this sign. So uh, here we're starting to see that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe Pharaoh's view on this might be starting to change. Because his own... His own people, the his trusted magicians, cannot recreate this. But, lo and behold, we get that phrase again. His heart was hardened, and he just he wouldn't even listen to Moses and Aaron. Wouldn't wouldn't even give him the time of day. He just, nope, this is not going to happen. Um, even, if, even though we're now through, through four different plagues, and Pharaoh's starting to see that, you know, this is something more powerful than he's experienced with any of his you know, right-hand men that that tried to recreate these signs and wonders. And I know that with, like, frogs, gnats, and flies, that may just seem like a bad turn in nature. But then when we move on to the fifth plague, which is the livestock dying... Yeah, livestock dying dying off. I mean, that starts to become a huge hit to any peoples, especially one that probably lived off of the, the meat and the byproducts of these livestock. 
I mean, this is starting to become a a ruination on the Egyptian people. Yeah, the the first plagues, the first few there, the the flies, the gnats, the frogs. Yeah, it's disgusting. It's annoying. It's uh, you know the land stank and it was swarmed with these things. But now you're getting to something that affects the livelihood of the people. You know they, and I believe this is the first plague. That did not. That specifically states it did not affect the Israelites, or was that flies? I, I know that the Israelites' livestock were not in any way harmed during this particular right. plague. It was only the uh, the livestock of the Egyptians and not the Israelites. Um, we saw back in the confrontation between Pharaoh, Moses, and Aaron with the fourth plague of the flies that when they go to speak to Pharaoh, they they tell him there will be a division between the people of Israel and the people of of Egypt. And Moses tells the Pharaoh that this now will happen. There's a division. This is only going to affect your people. And we see for the first time there that Pharaoh actually starts to plead with them, make this stop, pray to your God for me to make this stop, and and I will let your people go. And he goes back on his word, of course, because we still got several plagues to go. But uh, this you can kind of start... Seeing some some cracks in Pharaoh's armor here yeah. for and the first time. To speak to that, uh, the Pharaoh asking Moses to pray to his God. Uh, I've had people ask me before. It's like, well, why would Pharaoh want to pray? Have any prayers sent to the God of Israel? Like, wouldn't he not believe in them? And I, a little history lesson for that time. The Egyptian people were polytheists. They believed mm-hmm. in many gods. Uh, so for them, this God of Israel was just, you know, another God. And suddenly the, the Pharaoh is seeing, well, well, this is a pretty powerful God. Maybe I need to get an in with him. I mean, obviously we know that it's the one true God. But for Pharaoh, he was under the impression, like, oh, well, this is yet another powerful God I need to appease. Yeah, so now we have the division between the Israelites and the Egyptians. Pharaoh sees that, whoa, the God of these Egyptians or these uh, Israelites, is is a little little more powerful than the gods that we, you know, have traditionally worshipped here. And like Kevin's just saying, well, I need someone to intercede for me, plead for me, make this stop. You know, Moses does so. Pharaoh says, I'm going to let your people go. He goes back on it, and we continue to have plagues. We move on to the, the, the sixth plague. Uh, now, this starts to actually affect people personally. In their bottle, in their body, you know. Yes, we've had we've had we've had pestilence on the land. We've had the livestock dying, you know, their their food source. Now there's there's a personal attack on the, the bodies of the people in the form of boils. And uh, I don't know about you, that sounds uh, that sounds incredibly uncomfortable. Oh, I mean, it's like it, everyone's had everyone's had acne before, <laughs> but boils are a whole nother thing. I mean, these are these are painful sores open sores on your body i mean and to have boils like spring up and cover your bodies i mean for days i mean the egyptian people had to be crying out at this point i mean i don't know how much they personally knew where this was coming from yeah did they know that their their pharaoh their king their godlike figure was allowing this to happen to them because they weren't i mean they certainly were probably having a bit of an outcry as to why can you not put this to a stop? Um, you are a god king. You are in touch with the other gods. Why is this happening to us? And then yet they're seeing this is not happening to the Israelis. I, I wonder what was going on in their minds at that time. 
They don't really touch on it. Yeah, they don't really talk about the the Egyptian people as you know a group and how how they might be in an outcry. But again, the focus of the story is on yes on the Israelites and and God <laughs> recognizing and, and hearing their cry of oppression and and burdens and affliction and and coming to them and showing that I look at this power I have to do yeah. these wonders and signs to these other people. How much power do you think I have to deliver you from? From exactly. your afflictions as well. Well, and he was, you know, he was dishing out a little Old Testament punishment too yeah, on, but... <laughs> on the Egyptians for enslaving his people for as long as they did. I mean, you can still, you can get yourself in the mindset of the people that this is happening to and feel bad for them, but also understand that this is, you know, this is a jealous God of the Old Testament who will and has punished. Yeah, at least he's not uh, fire and brimstoning them yet, you know, to right. take them out like Sodom and Gomorrah, you know. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, they're they're getting some plagues going on here, but uh, we haven't quite gone as far as completely destroying well, a civilization. The plague that we go into next uh, started to do a little bit of that. I mean, the hail. Yeah. Uh, we're going into the seventh plague, which is the hail falling from the sky. Moses specifically warns Pharaoh and his people, get your animals and your slaves and are your workers out of the fields for they will die from this from this plague and some of them listen some of them do listen so the the people at least some of the people must be in tune to what's going on yeah uh because they actually heed like you know they've begun to believe in the power of our god but not all of them so we get the hail and fire raining down on the earth and uh it does exactly what Moses had had warned you know anything left in the fields was was killed. Animals, mm-hmm. people, uh, all all brought down. So this is uh, this is three plagues now that have affected the the welfare of the people. Di- the livestock dying off, the boils on the on the people and on the livestock as well. There are boils on on every beast of the field. It says now you've got hail from from the heavens coming down and, and killing anything left out in the open. It's pretty decimated landscape at this time. Is it after the hail or after our next plague, which is locusts? where the people around Pharaoh come to him and ask, how long will these people be a burden upon us? Uh, saying, basically, Egypt is ruined. I, I feel like I don't have my Bible in front of me at the moment. I do. And, uh, <laughs> again, this covers several chapters, and uh, I, I'm loath to say I don't have every word of Scripture memorized. <laughs> um, maybe someday that would be a, a really neat task. But Well, uh, I mean, moving into locusts, which comes after hail. I mean, these, I mean, locusts, which I actually learned this, um, when my daughter brought home a couple of grasshoppers that she <laughs> wanted to keep as a pet. Oh, that um, sounds typical Allie-like <laughs> behavior. So her and Kaysen wanted to keep these grasshoppers as pets. I'm like, you can't keep a grasshopper as a pet. And she says, yes, you can, because I looked it up, which she had already looked it up online. <laughs> of course. And had read about grasshoppers, and they apparently are very easy pets. You keep them, you just feed them grass where they get their food and water from. And what she also learned from that, she said, Dad, do you know what a grasshopper, when it grows to its largest size, is called? And I'm like, well, what's that? She goes, a locust. And I had always been, and maybe this is me falling on my sword, explaining something that I missed myself. For some reason, I always thought cicadas were locusts. Like, I just thought it was another name Uh for a locust. But no, apparently, a locust is an enormous grasshopper like huh. not not a regular big grasshopper 
that we see every day, but like the just enormous, like almost the size of your palm. Oh. And when they would swarm, which this happens outside of this plague from time to time in areas of the Middle East, when there get to be so many of them that they swarm, they will wreak devastation. Yeah, like on if crops. you have if you have a field planted with anything, you, you get this swarm of locusts, and then you look out the next day, and it's just flat earth. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything's yeah. gone. I'm gonna say thank you to your daughter for our science lesson for the day. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was news to me, and I I found that to be incredibly intriguing. And it really, even then, when she brought that up, it it gave me a new light on this plague uh, because I obviously once she's taught me that i went in and learned even more about it get a fact checker yeah i mean i just i was like are you serious so and i'm sure there's people like screaming into their computers right now yeah kevin we knew this (laughs) well i didn't (laughs) and uh it's just you can imagine just i'm certainly a swarm of locusts sent by the hand of god himself would be just astronomically larger than any any plague you would normally see of locusts. Hey, back to your uh, your comment and question before. Yes. This this plague of locusts is when Pharaoh's servants come to him and say, "How long must we endure these plagues from from the Israel's from the Israelites' God?" So you can kind of see here we're we're in the eighth plague now, and now we we see the servants of Pharaoh coming to him, and now they're pleading. So yeah. I guess you know. They're done with we've, the, with these Israelis. We've had we've had a, a the first little crack in Pharaoh here with when he uh, you know asks Moses and Aaron to plead on his behalf to the Lord to stop it because God has now divided the plagues so they don't affect the uh, Israelites and only come down upon the Egyptians. A little bit of of a crack there in Pharaoh. Now we're to the point where Pharaoh's people are coming to him pleading. So now we've got another. Another crack coming that some outside pressure coming to Pharaoh, and in this plague too, we do see him again tell Moses, Aaron, you know, I, I, I have sinned against uh, your Lord and God, and against you. You know, forgive me and plead for me and and make this stop, and I will, I will let your people go. And yet again, all this outside pressure, all this pleading, God sees to it that He's going to harden Pharaoh's heart and have this, this uh, series of plagues continue. Um, leading us to the the ninth plague, the last one we're going to discuss today. We're gonna we're gonna save the biggie, <laughs> the big plague for tomorrow. I think it, the the Passover and the death of the firstborn kind of deserves its own its own full episode here. So we're on the ninth plague, which is which is darkness over the land of Egypt. Uh, I guess you can kind of uh, compare it to when we have a full eclipse or something like that, where you know the middle of the day darkness comes. And this. To me, this strikes me as as deeper than that, uh, because the way they talk about it, and they don't specifically reference that like fire or candle light or oil mm-hmm. wasn't working, but it's inferred because they talk about the Egyptians as if they they would not even leave their beds because they could not see, and they mention that the Israelites had light in their camps. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this this strikes me as full-on supernatural event beyond a, a mere lengthy eclipse or maybe even i think i saw one scientific explanation for what it might have been that might have actually driven a lot of these being like a volcano nearby erupting uh which could have accounted for hail 
um, and could have accounted for the blood in the Nile, actually, mm-hmm. uh, by like a, a change in the chemical comp- composition of the river. But the darkness that's explained in the Bible... Three days. It strikes me as just much, much stronger, much deeper than like an ash cloud that would have been created by uh-huh. a volcano, which yep. I think is what the scientific explanation for it might have been. Yeah, but in scripture we just see it described as pitch black. They could not see one another. And like you said, they they couldn't see enough even to rise from their beds to make it to mm-hmm. make it around their home or around their property. They it was pitch black darkness that lasted for three days. Yeah. So this was no mere just uh natural phenomenon like I mentioned earlier of some kind of eclipse. That doesn't last for three days. That's what, 10, 15 minutes? Right. <laughs> 10, 15 minutes. So, yeah, we see that this uh, this last plague we're talking about here today is, it might not be the same kind of uh, raining down pain and affliction upon these people, but I look at this one as almost more more mystical, more, more profound, more astonishing. It's menacing, too. It is. I mean, we've seen, we've heard, you know, um, even people that live in, in like our northern climates up in Alaska, when they have those days and months of darkness, it drives people crazy. Yeah. You know? I, and I believe, and even after all this, uh, Pharaoh's heart is still hardened. Yeah, he uh, he still refuses uh, to let the people go. But there's one more, uh, <laughs> there's one more plague in store that I think might get Pharaoh's attention once and for all. Absolutely. And I know that throughout this, a lot of people find themselves asking about, it's like, well, why would God harden Pharaoh's heart? And I did a lot of thought on this over, uh, it's been about, I don't know, it's been a, about a week since Brian and I last recorded. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking on it a lot. And honestly, I think it's twofold. Uh, he needed these plagues to occur to help show his awesome power. Because the Israelis, though they were burdened with slavery and groaning for uh, rescue from their burdens, I mean, this is all they'd ever known. So had Moses just shown up, said, let my people go, and Pharaoh just say, okay. (laughs) Um, First of all, that wasn't his inclination. So I, I can't imagine God made Pharaoh say no. It had to be something that he wanted to say anyway. Maybe God gave him a little extra push. Right. But... You know, some of the, a lot of the Israelis may not have left. I mean, that this is all they knew. They may have been comfortable. A lot of them might have been comfortable in their lifestyles here. So they needed to see the awesome power of their God to know that He would be creating a covenant with them. Yeah, if you if you see the the wonder the wondrous and horrific signs uh, that God's performed here, uh, and you know that you're told that you are His people and that His power is over you and for you. Well, you look at this and you say, wow, how, how awesome and mighty is this God that we've been groaning towards, we've been crying out to, we've been praying for deliverance from our afflictions and our burdens. And uh, lo and behold, this is a pretty pretty awesome and wonderful sign that, wow, he heard us and look yeah. at what he did. And a marked division between them and the Egyptians. Yep, he, uh, he did come to their aid and, and show them what he's capable of in, in, you know, these, these ways of, of the plagues that also gives them hope. I would assume it gives them hope in the, the power that he has to protect them and to lead them and guide them, uh, which we'll see coming up in the next, 
a uh, couple of days of our of our podcast here is the people actually do leave. You know, I don't want to spoil the story, but you know, <laughs> it's called Exodus for a reason that means right. departure or journey. So we have to go somewhere eventually. Um, so we'll see them them leave, and we'll see the you know we'll see the Lord leading them, guiding them, uh, taking them where they need to be. A lot of powerful stuff today, and it's a long episode too. Yeah, there I was a lot to talk about. Absolutely. <laughs> hope you've enjoyed our conversation today, and look forward to hearing from you and. See yeah, you throughout the week. Yeah, I want to get a, some insights on this one, definitely. <laughs> uh, again, there's a lot to cover today, so we did our best to uh, summarize the plagues and give a little bit of insight on all of them. But again, please, let us let us hear what you're thinking, because we always appreciate that, too. Well, that's going to wrap up our discussion on the uh, plagues for today. Um, we do want to remind you before we, we close that there are Lenten services every week at Holy Cross, uh, every Wednesday, 11 a.m., and 7 p.m. Obligatory comment, Kevin? Yes, uh, definitely. Uh, we also have a wonderful meal beforehand, and it would be really nice to have you join us for that before the 7 p.m. one. Yeah, starting at 5.45 every Wednesday. Uh, we also do continue through this Lenten service. Uh, we always do have our weekend services as well. Uh, we have 5 p.m. every Saturday. And on Sunday we have 8 a.m. with a Bible study between services and a 10.30 a.m. service as well. Yeah, so please come join us for some worship, some fellowship, and, you know, some further enlightenment on this uh, Exodus story. So as neither of us today took the lead in reading a particular scripture verse, we thought it might be appropriate if we maybe close on a shared prayer, uh, specifically our Lord's Prayer. If you'll join in with us. Our, our Father, Father, who art in heaven, heaven hallowed, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And just a reminder... All scripture readings and references do come from the English Standard Version of the Bible. Thank you. God bless.